Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from New York, New York, it's the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Gianni Russo, Patrick Piccarelli, and Megan Horan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. Yes. And as we said, if you didn't listen, you'll catch up real fast. We are going on with our story of Mr. Brando and Liz Taylor and Michael Jackson now is involved. And we are basically in 1979 of my relationship with all of these people. And for the people who were faithful listeners, they know what we're talking about. We just left Rome and the Piazza Navona. And we are going into now. I get a phone call how this started. It's 1979. I just got approved to build a hotel in Las Vegas called the Renaissance Hotel. And uh, so I love to celebrate. I was heading to get my boat <laughs> in Spain, and I get a call from Johnny and Yelly. Oh, is? And Johnny and Yelly own Fiat Motor Company and an industrialist. And I was spending a lot of time with them while I was over there for 22 months. Him and Carlo Ponte and uh, Berlusconi, all these. I mean, they, they run Italy at the time. Mm. And so, you know, my relationship with the Vatican and some other friends, uh, I got to go know them really well. And I get the strangest call, which uh, Megan and... and Pat is so reminiscent because I've been so many times asked, can you bring Marlon Brando to my villa? I brought, oh. I brought him to John Kluge's penthouse. I brought him. People <laughs> always want this guy. And I knew what was going on. So he, I said, when do you want him? He said, I know you're all coming here because it's the premiere of Superman at the Cannes Film Festival. Mm -hmm. That's the premiere film they're gonna show. Right. And obviously Marlon Brando was my father-in-law and the Godfather, mm -hmm. 1972, and now here we are seven years later. And coincidentally, Mario Puzo wrote the screenplay. Which of most Superman. Of, of Superman. Huh. And why well, I was teasing Marlon, because now he was my father-in-law, and now he's gonna be Christopher Reeves, his, <laughs> his father. His father, yeah. But Superman's it, father, he's come up in the world. Yeah, hello. Yeah. And, and you know what the funniest thing is? Since the success of The Godfather, this year, could be, our audience, I can believe it. For a 20 minutes, 20 minutes on screen, that's all Marlon Brando had, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. He got 30, I mean, $3.7 million. That's insane. For 20 minutes. Well, now, he made up for what he didn't make on The Godfather. Well, he, well, no, but I mean, well, look, we gave him, I gave him $12 million for the freshman many years yeah. after that. No, but I'm saying because of his notoriety from The Godfather, his career is back and big. Mm -hmm. And how much did Christopher Reeves get? Christopher Reeves, who starred in the movie, right? Uh -huh. 143 minutes on screen. Got two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I never knew who he was. Yeah. yeah, and that was it. So now. And Yelly, who would have anything in the world, he said, uh, I, I want him to come to my house. We'll have a party. <laughs> I said, well, you just can't. You got to meet him. I said, okay. I'll arrange it. All right. He said, all right. When are you coming to South France? I'm on my way. He said, all right. I'll be up the villa. So I, soon I come, you know, I send mess up to the villa. 
and I'm, I'm, I brought my boat up from Spain and I put it to Carlton Hotel, mm -hmm. which I did many years because I made a lot of money with that boat by having cocktail parties. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew who owned it because I, that, I, that was an unknown for a while. Right. What kind of boat was it? It's a Riva, 148-foot, 28-foot beam, all wood. Amazing boat. So, I mean, but the Carlton used to release it out, especially to Paramount and all of them. And I didn't want anybody to know because they'd try to beat me up on the price. They did the catering. They did everything. They had to use my crew. And most of the time, the boats never left. They just had private parties on them. Mm -hmm. In fact, a classic story that the world will know is um, uh, Harvey Weinstein oh, yeah. uh, was having a party on my boat. Really? And I walked on. He hated me because... I was the young guy who had all the had a, a patio. The, if you weren't somebody, you could never be on the patio at the Carlton uh, during the film festival. Okay, you couldn't get out on the patio, and that was where everybody met in the afternoon. Uh huh. Are you rolling around in your chair again, Pat? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of noise deny, coming from somewhere. I, I deny everything. I wasn't there. I'm not involved. <laughs> Got I, it. I love you. You're like the Ed Norton of our show. I love it. <laughs> Hey, Ralphie boy. Hey. So now, I arrange, I arrange for you know to have a meeting on uh -huh. the boat. So Brando comes and and Yelly's there and and they they go into the salon. I didn't want to know what kind of business, but he was asking because uh -huh. I don't want to be a part of it. And uh, they arrange it. So okay, we're gonna do it. It's the first Sunday during the film festival. We do it late afternoon. It's I know the house. It's overlooking this French Riviera. It's like 18 bedrooms. It's amazing. Chateau Benefiat. And for the stars, he had, at the house anyway, two stretch Mercedes limousines, and then he arranged for these luxury coaches. Because mm -hmm. nobody would he'd give the address to nobody. So you had to meet at the Carlton Hotel, and they had, you know, hostess and all that, and shuffled you up there. And this is what, I mean, when we started talking about the show, I mean, what the, the demise of Brando and where this all came from, mm -hmm. that's where we're going. We're going to go right from 1979 to when he died. But the, I, I, the strangest thing, because a guy called Tony Curtis, which I mentioned several times, that uh, we'd played Lepke, and he was always, you know, Tony was a cra crazy guy, playful guy, like you grab your ass, but he meant it. And I told him, <laughs> I'm not into that stuff. <laughs> no, no, he was totally insane. That's totally right. But now, when Tony Curtis comes, and I, I told him to let me know, because I'm co-hosting it, basically. When Tony Curtis comes, he was married to this, this girl, I mean, he's like six foot, Mm. And Tony's a short guy. Wow. So we go out there, and, and Brando found this place under, like a, a, under a veranda. So he's guarded on like a cliff around him and mm -hmm. people. Because not every you know, he didn't want to be around everybody, right. which he never did want to be around anybody. So I bring Tony Curtis to meet him. And Brando gets up, and they kiss. Now, I'm Italians kiss. We all kiss. They were tongue kissing for maybe... Yeah. Three or four minutes, and I'm not exaggerating. Really? And I'm saying to myself, "Oh my God!" What is I mean, and this is like my first. Uh oh. So this, I mean, he's nuts. Right. But that's a different side of Brando you didn't know. Yeah. yeah. But you know, and then as we all get to know later on with 
the Michael Jackson stories and all the other stuff. But to me, it's like, whoa. Yeah. But uh, but the party was insane. Everybody, I mean, you could think of who, uh, who's who was there. Mm-hmm. And then I left and came back to America and... That's when I, I soon pulled the plug on building my hotel. Right. And uh, because, thank God I did, for the people who read the book, Hollywood Godfather, they got me on a wiretap because I borrowed $72 million from the Teamsters. Mm-hmm. And if I took the first dollar, I probably would be in a penitentiary somewhere. Yeah, thank goodness that didn't And I, I decided, no, I ain't going forward with it. And we pulled the plug on the whole idea. I blamed it on Jimmy Carter mm-hmm. because he was a president at that time. And the construction money for people who knew in, in 19, this was April Fool's Day, 1980, I was going to break ground. I did break ground, but I used my money for the footing and foundation, my own money. Hmm. And then was going to take the you know construction and the structural from them. But 1980, April Fool's Day, I turned out to be the fool. <laughs> <laughs> so and then that's when I opened up uh, State Street, mm-hmm. which then brings all these people back into my whole life again because uh, Sinatra and Dee Martin and Sammy Davis did the uh, opening for me and right. did all the commercials, and everybody showed up. But as we keep going on with the, and me keep going to L.A. with the... Everybody we're dealing with. <coughs> a few years later, we realize I have a problem in my club, and it gets to be world history, fortunately, and unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to take out this guy, you know, that was uh, an underboss with Pablo Escobar. Right. So this becomes headlines. Well, you got to explain to the people that this was justified. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I feel did. like we've touched upon this before. I know, but for the person just, just in tuning in, yeah. I don't yeah. think I'm a killer. Right. Thank you. Thank you for protecting me, Pat. Yes. <clears throat> what happened was, for us, Steve Sharippa was my doorman, a bunch of these kids. I mentioned Steve Sharippa because everybody knows him from Blue Blood Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Big guy. And uh, this guy comes in up. Fast forward it. I need some more water, a lozenge. I'm getting after this my this my third radio show today. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. So what happens is this guy comes in, blows a lot of money, has a fight with his girlfriend, breaks a bottle of crystal and sticks it in her face. Nobody's going over to help him. Mm. Or I jump in because Steve Sharip and all the other guys are those. I ain't going over there. This guy's crazy. I said, Yeah, thank you. Well, I know that now. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, with that said, I go over, get into a situation, and I just told the guy, get out of here. I just want, I got to take this girl to get medical help. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want any problems with you. Just get out. He don't go. The whole thing happens. So, I wound up killing him. I shot him and, and with, with self-defense. Well, he went to scratch you, too. He went to cut scratch you. Me, with, cut cut you. Yes. Scratch me, cut my throat. Scratch me. Oh, how cute. No, it was with the glasses. A scratch that was uh, 80 stitches. 80 stitches. Right. <laughs> so it was justifiable. Spin forward. I'm going to Beverly Hills all the time. See him all on a regular base. And, uh, you know, it's a thing happens with him and his son. I mean, not him and his son. Well, well, uh, you, 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 
you weren't taking legal representation. Oh yeah, well, so, so what happened was, I used to hang in LA all the time, and I used to go to the Bistro Gardens, which was owned by Sidney Korshak. So I was there all the time, and Sidney Korshak uh, is known as Mr. Fix-It. There's a major book out on him uh, called um, Super Mob, mm. and I'm in like 13 chapters. Okay. And everybody else is talking. I mean, Steve Winnie, he fixed everything for everybody else. He was actually the, the lawyer who negotiated all the union contracts for all the film theaters. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, you know, that gave me a tremendous in because everybody knew I knew him. And he told Jasper and Casper and Jimmy, who uh, ran his uh, Lobistro. In fact, Jimmy the Major D went on to open Jimmy's, mm-hmm. his own restaurant later on. And that's where that funny story comes in with Tony Curtis and I and right. um, um, Ronald Reagan's wife, Nancy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, this this place was a hub and a half of uh, shenanigans. So here we are, and you know, now I have a, almost a, a t- well, Marlon died in 204, so okay. just prior to that. So I had about a 20-year relationship with him already. Hmm. And he calls me in the middle of the night. Oh, I, I, I forgot to tell you, uh, Korshak sets me up. He says, you got to get in here. I heard it went on your club. You got to go see this guy, um, Shapiro. I saw, he, he, was, he, was, he was a high-priced, big-shot lawyer. Well, he how he got his fame, he was a high-priced attorney, Robert Shapiro, for Johnny Carson. And Johnny Carson used to drop his name all the time on shows because okay. jo- Johnny Carson always used to get DUIs before the laws got sensitive mm. yeah. and he always used to j- joke about it got it and that's how he became famous then he became famous after this incident when he was part of the dream team with OJ Simpson. Simpson yeah so that's how I got to know the guy but and I, I see Robert yet he's a very arrogant little guy you know, they, they all these short guys have this Napoleon complex, <laughs> I think. So I go to his office. I didn't want to go. And he had this office in 20th century in a tower. Right. And I had like an 11 o'clock appointment in the morning, which I hate. I hate mornings. So I go there. I'm all dressed up. And uh, <clears throat> they show me right in. And I go. And he's sitting in a like a, a plexiglass a desk. I'll never forget it. In a window. And he's like illuminated and he goes instead of standing up when I come in like most people will get off the phone he goes like this like pointing sit there you know like and, and staying on the phone uh. so I'm sitting there and I didn't want to be there I knew what went on he didn't know right but at a Korshak set it up and, and Steve Wynn so he saw me so after about five minutes of him being on the phone I went over and I just hung up the phone <laughs> and he looked at me like I'll kill you. Right. I, I wish I would, he would say that, but he didn't. And I put my finger on it. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm hanging up. I said, I came over to see you. I had an 11 o'clock appointment. It's quarter after 11. He said, who are you? I said, who are you? <laughs> I said, this is... I saw that movie. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> and then, you know, we got into a situation. I didn't want to get into that, but he's a nice guy. And I just said, I don't need your help. See you later. I didn't get to the bistro, and he called Korshak. He said, who's that guy? What he, he said, I don't know what you did, but you don't want to see him. I said, I don't want to see him either. 
You said you sure you were all right. I said, yeah. Spin forward. Mm-hmm. Here we are. I'm in bed watching the late news right right up uh, off of Mulholland Drive. What year was this? Oh, Jesus. What year was that? When, when did, uh, I don't have to, why don't you look it up? When did Christian, uh, so we give them facts. Okay. Christian Miranda shoot his brother-in-law. Killed him. So anyway, I'm in bed and the phone rings and you can, his voice, you know, once you know it, you know it. Brando. Yeah. I said, what's the matter, Brando? He says, you got to help me. I said, help do anything you want. What do you want? He says, Christian, my son, just killed Cheyenne's boyfriend. And he, I knew the whole situation. And she was pregnant with his kid. 1990. 1990, they're mm-hmm. talking about. Okay. Cheyenne is his daughter. Yes. Yeah, Cheyenne is his daughter. And it's 1990. And I said, okay, what? what did you call the cops? He said, no. I said, don't call the cops yet. He said, I, I, I knew you'd know what to do. I said, I'm going to have somebody call you and let them take it from there. He said, who is it? You'll know. I said, once he calls you. So I hang up and I had. Uh, Shapiro's private numbers because they gave them to me. So I call him up and he's, what are you calling my house so late for? Who is this? I said, Johnny Russo. How dare you call me? I said, shut the hell up. What's the matter with you? I said, I got somebody important. He said, well, tell them to call me in the office in the morning. I said, excuse me, Marlon Brando has a problem. He's who? I said, Marlon Brando. Oh, Oh. It changes his whole tune. So now I give him Brando's number, and I'm, it must be like 1 o'clock in the morning. At 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning, I used to have a, a thing of getting up, going to the bathroom, and watch the news. I'm still doing it. I watch it, and then go back to bed. It, it's the morning news bulletin comes on, and it's Marlon Brando and Shapiro outside the correctional, because they're bringing the kid in. They arrested him. Right. And Brando's there to support him on the sidewalk. And Brando goes on the mic. He felt responsible. Really? But nobody knows why he felt responsible. He told me what happened. Because I said, tell me what went down. So he said, he was beating up Cheyenne, the boyfriend. Uh-huh. Christian came in and said, Dad, he's beating her up again. He said, well, you're the brother. Go kill him. He's kill him a lot. He's take my gun. Really? And that's why he defended him to the hill. Wow. The kid took the gun. He was nuts anyway, that kid. He just did what his dad said. And did what his dad said. And that why Brando was at every every day, which helped the kid. Right. And the other good advice is that to get Cheyenne out of the country right away. Huh. Well, she was born in one of his islands or someplace. <laughs> and uh, he got five years, did 36 months only. On a murder. Really? Murder. Yeah. For murder one. That's that's why if you're gonna kill anybody, go to California. Nobody that's ever that's gets nobody ever gets arrested for murder. That's crazy. Think you, about I, it. I recall that. And I, I also was kind of surprised that Brando sort of gave a like an impromptu news conference with uh, on the steps of the courthouse. Yeah. That's not Brando. He doesn't do that. No, he don't. No, he don't. Well, he don't support himself, not alone his kids or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but he called himself a, a bad father. I, I remember he called. Oh yeah, no, really, he really went yeah. that deep. Yeah. I guess it was my fault. Maybe I wasn't the best father I could have been. Wow. But I tell you, I know he was acting a lot, but he gained a lot of sympathy. So, you know, for, for potential jurors. 
All the Brando fans? No, but not, not only that, I think that's what swayed the whole court, the jury, yeah. because here he is saying, you know, who he is, and they probably said, these kids are like nuts. And by the time they went to trial, you know, Cheyenne already hung herself. Oh, she, she, she killed herself, I know, but that was before the trial? Before the end of the trial, yeah. I didn't know. It was, I thought it was, wow. So you can understand why this guy had such a tragic life. I don't care how famous you are, how much money you got. How do you survive something like that? I mean, that's, I mean, that's crazy. No, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it, and then, you know, I, I used to see Brando a lot. And, I mean, he was always an eccentric. And I can remember early on, he used to go to the Hilton Hotel, right, right in Beverly Hills, mm -hmm. and he there's a place called the. the what Lu is going on? What's what? What, what are you doing, Pat? Um, I, I think I think we have an interruption of service here. Okay. Uh oh. I'm not hearing Gianni at all. Oh wow. Yeah, we just got some some loud noise coming through. Yeah, we lost you for ten seconds. So. Uh, we'll pick it up where it is. With, uh, continue with after uh, after Brando's uh, press conference on the steps of the courthouse. Yeah. Okay. So as as you know, he let them know that that morning on the steps when they went to trial finally that he admitted, like you said, Pat, he was a bad father. Everybody, he he backed the kid, yeah. and, and 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 the world was waiting for it. Uh -huh. And fortunately, I think that really swayed the jury because here he admitted he was a bad father. It's, I mean, and he didn't get into the fact they take my gun and kill him. Right. But you know, you know, it's so funny because uh, what were you going to say about Brando's uh, ghost? I'm telling you, we were having technical problems here. Every time you mentioned the name Brando, it was like he came back and was uh, telling you, uh, I, "I like my privacy." I really I think you're right about that. That was some yeah, weird. That was some weird stuff I mean, that we just I, I, had. How long we've been doing this? Like just 36 episodes. This this is the 36 first hours we've never had a problem. I've never had this happen. That was weird. Well, I'm, I'm, come I'm, on, Brando. Let us finish. We're gonna finish the story. Yeah. Hey, Brando, go, go, go get a drink or something. Let us finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool out. So anyway, at this part of my life, I'm I'm going back and forth to L.A. all the time, as I always did, and uh, I knew Brando was starting to slip because. He used to hang out at the Hilton Hotel that Merv Griffin owned. Mm -hmm. That should have been a red flag because <laughs> mm. Merv Griffin's always been known to be bisexual. And I go there one night, and it's called, it's called the Luau. No, not the Luau. Um, uh, the Trader Vic's famous um, Hawaiian restaurant in, in the uh, Hilton Hotel. Mm -hmm. And I go there. And some of the audience and Pat and Megan will remember. <clears throat> it's the same German Shepherd that he took to John Kluge's house for dinner that time <laughs> when he said he wanted to bring a guest. Oh, yeah. And he's still walking around at that door. Right. That's funny. So now, <clears throat> my throat is killing me. I apologize, everybody. But <clears throat> we sit down and I'm ordering food. I'm ordering food, and the food comes. The dog is eating with us again like they did at John Kluge's house. <laughs> and I'm looking at Marlon, and he don't even pay attention to it. He's totally oblivious to it all. And this went on a couple of times. 
with this guy. Where he was really starting to lose it. Then um, Liz Taylor and all that stuff that's going on with uh, Michael Jackson and all these trials. And he had called me very concerned. And he'd say, what do you think we could do for Michael? I said, I can't do anything with Michael. That's a, a pedophile case. Yeah, well, for those people who don't know, he was brought up on charges twice for pedophilia. Right. Right. And, and as we spoke, too, I don't understand. You mentioned the guy's name, Pat, who got paid off like $12 million or $10 million. Yeah, the, guy, the guy, he was a dentist. Uh, he, he wrote uh, Men in Tights, the comedy about uh, Robin Hood. Did you ever see the movie? No. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's called uh, Men in Tights. It, 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 the movie made a lot of money. I mean, it was, I, I still see it on, uh, I don't watch it, but it's, I watch it, you know, see it on cable. All the time, his kid uh, was allegedly abused by Michael Jackson, and they they brought him to court. This was a, this was a civil suit, and they were going through it. And all of a sudden, uh, they they dropped the suit, and uh, they had to say why. He said, uh, "Randall gave him twenty million. Oh wow! And, wow! And, uh, you know, all the Marlon, all the Michael Jackson fans were saying, "Oh yeah, but he was innocent." You don't give somebody twenty million dollars if you're innocent. Oh, Jesus! Uh, twenty million, and it was he broadcasted. He said he didn't have a choice. He had to he had to say what happened because it just ended abruptly. Hmm. And he walked away from that one. And the criminal case, he beat. Oh, that's wow. amazing. That's crazy. Well, while they were going through all that, I mean, you know, and and during it and after it, because Marlon was puffing up. And, uh, you know, acting very weird. I think Apocalypse Now, what they were doing over there, had us screw him up. Because after that, he, he was really weird. Mm. You, you'd go up there sometimes, he's, you know, in makeup and a, and a dress. Really? Well, I went through the same thing with Ray, Raymond Burr when I was doing uh, Ironside or one of those things. Um, and they, they didn't tell me. But I went to his trailer to go over lines with him. It was mm-hmm. a two-hour, two-parter, actually. Oh, it was a television movie. But yeah. The, the, the uh, Perry Mason uh, TV movie. Perry, that's what it was, Perry Mason. Yeah. But it was Raymond Burr. And yeah. I went there, and he had a moo on, and he actually spoke with a lisp, which really? he never did while he was on camera. Of course not. So there was, I mean, I can't believe, and they, there were, there's so many stories about who, who was, you know, the people that were bisexual. I knew Tony. Tony admitted it that he was. And uh, and then to see that lick, kiss lock, uh, lip locking. Right. And then this whole thing. Okay, I also heard at the time the the, uh, uh, the error that you're talking about that Randall may have put on a pound or two. Oh, my God. That was the big concern because well, Michael called me and he, he says, uh, he's killing himself. I, I said, who's killing himself? He's Brando. Did you see him recently? I said, no, I only talked to him on the phone. I hadn't seen him like for six, seven months. And he gained all this weight. It was like over 300 pounds, right? A 300, I think it was. Really? Oh, no, it was huge. I mean, and I... You ever see Brando in his youth? He was like a... a, a like a matinee. Oh, my God. Oh, I've seen know. him in his youth for sure. You know, he was an amazing, yes. amazing good-looking guy. But, well, he changed. Yeah, but the interesting thing with that... So, again... I, I had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So 
Liz Saylor and Michael got him to the hospital, finally. And they did work on him and all of that. And unfortunately, it, 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 his body couldn't take it. Really? It was so worn down. And then Michael called again, say, wait, we killed him, we killed him. I said, who we killed? Well, he's so nuts. And you never know who it is because you got to wait and let him talk for a while because he gets that squeaky voice. Oh, Michael Jackson? Yeah. And so that's when uh, Brando died. And it's ironic because Brando was worried about him. And Brando, he died July 1st, right. 2004. He just turned 80 two months before that. I'm surprised he made it that long. Now, yeah, right. is, it, is it your opinion that he ate and drank himself to death, basically, after the, uh, the, uh, his, uh, his son killing that guy and his daughter hanging herself? I mean, what, wasn't that the trigger? Well, I would think, I mean... And how did he get past that? The depression, how did he get past that? And then he was confused at the end of who he really was, right. which I thought was another big problem with him. And I, I don't I, I don't know if he ever wanted to go on, right. but how, who would know that? But what I always, were always worried about was that Liz Taylor and him were always concerned about Michael's health. Right, yeah. Because Michael was getting all this crazy work done and all of this, mm-hmm. and even Liz Taylor, because Liz Taylor got sick before both of them. She what was, was she sick. sick with? Everything. I don't know what Mom, she, she was. She was always sick. She was always. Uh, she was always sick. That she, that she was in a wheelchair, and so I mean, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm hearing these three people talking about three people. I, I, I didn't really get to know Michael, and I really never, probably subconsciously, wanted to. Mm-hmm. But Brando helped me all my life. Liz Taylor was an icon for me in my 20s when I'm over there watching her and Richard Burton and doing what we're doing in 1965. Right. And now we're still friends. She came to State Street, opened it, you know, as anytime celebrities would come, it made the news. I made sure that made the news. But, and we're friends. And here are three people who are icons throughout the world. I mean, I'm sure our audience is saying, like, how do you put those three people together? Mm-hmm. In a room, and they're all falling apart. And they're all falling apart. And she was some beauty in, in her uh, youth. Oh she my was, God! Those eyes. She had violet lavender, eyes. yeah, vi- lavender, violet eyes. I mean, yeah. really? But the, yeah. you know, with, uh, the nose two are totally insane. Uh, Richard Burton and her, when they, when they would check into the Beverly Hills Hotel, they'd order two 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 seven fifties of vodka in the morning. They were drinking all day long and all night long. Oh my gosh. And Maggie's sitting there shrugging her shoulders because that's what we do. <laughs> uh oh. How could a human being drink all that? I don't this, know. You're talking this every day? I'm telling you, every day. And, and Maggie's here shrugging her shoulders like, why? Because we drink, but we don't drink two bottles of vodka in the morning. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you, uh, you guys waited till at least 11 a.m., right? No, no, we're in the middle of the night. Sometimes I can't sleep. I'll get up and have a martini. <laughs> right. and, and Maggie don't want me to drink alone. So, so she, of course not. Of course. She's a good person. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, it's when, when you, again, looking at the people we're talking about, even the Tony Curtis and everybody else, and the Dom DeLuises and Merv Griffins, and they were all messed. I think they messed up. I mean, not in today's world, because now you can, you know, you, you know. They, they they don't even want to have, say, men or women. I just heard the governor in California. This one you're going to love. The governor of California just had them change 
the name of manholes. Oh, the person holes you're going to tell me? On the street. <laughs> no. Because he didn't want it to be a gender. Wait, but I never even thought of that as being so what did he change associated with gender. It's just it, a it, term. It's a, it's a utility hole. Oh. Oh, I, 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 I have a great comeback for that, but I don't think I should say it. No, but, anyway. I'm, I, but, no, but I'm saying this is how crazy this world is getting. It's, it's, well, uh, listen to this. Listen to this. Did you hear last week that they're taking all the male statues out of Central Park and replacing them with women's statues? No. Well, why can't they just like add some? Why but how could they do that? Ready in the Times. Uh, somebody in the city council proposed it, and it looks like they're going to do it. And I, I, I'm with you, Megan. Why don't you make it half and half? But isn't that the whole point? It's not one over the yeah, other. All, it's about uh, equality. Uh, I mean, let's just. I mean, they tried to do that three or four years ago with Columbus Circle. They were going to take him down. And I, so that never happened. People, I mean, they, they, but I, I agree with all of us uh, what we're saying. Benjamin Franklin, these guys are uh, legendary. Put well, in, put of, in uh, Pocahontas uh, if you want. Heroes, uh, uh, statues, they're, they're all on horses, and it symbolizes if the horse is uh, rearing up on its hind legs, mm -hmm. the person was killed in, in, a, in a battle. If he's got one leg up, the person was wounded. There's a lot of symbolism there. Oh, here. okay. I didn't know that. Well, yeah, uh, but now they want to take them all out, and I don't know where they're going to put them. Probably in your living room, and they're going to replace <laughs> them. They replace them with women. I don't get the. I just don't get I the mean, replacement. I, I don't get it. Add some. Add some elsewhere. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know if we mentioned it. Happen, but that's the plan. The biggest thing I saw to this for this Christmas, Mattel uh -huh. is is introducing a, a transgender doll. Transgender. Transgender that comes with. Men and women's clothes. I mean, Barbie. Barbie. Mm. What What are they doing? I mean, what of our kids and grandchildren? Me, I'm worried because they're so confused to begin with. What, what do you do? I mean, uh, it's crazy. Uh, well, but anyway, this is a, a sad ending to a, a legend, Marlon Brando. No, but Brando, I mean, he had to also be extremely conflicted about his sexuality to be so... You know, people were coming out of the closet by then. And uh, oh, he, he may have been happy. All, he kept it hidden all his life, right? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, here we are. Yeah. I, I think it's time for the mailbag. All right. Do it. Go for it. All right. Okay. So first, Laura asks for Gianni. Did you actually break several ribs in that fight scene for real? <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> Two oh, ribs. With the, yeah, with the Jimmy Khan, you told right. me. Right. Yeah, my best friend, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Good yeah. friends. Love Two oh, ribs yeah. and one elbow, Chip. Yeah. Speaks highly of you, too. I'm sure. I know. Yeah, I wonder if he has a podcast out there talking badly about you. That's okay. I don't talk <laughs> badly about him. I know. Uh, I'm just kidding. No. All right. So next, Jordan asks, well, we know Pat. We know the answer um, to this for you. But Gianni, have you ever been to Pittsburgh? And are you familiar with any gangsters from Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I've been to Pittsburgh a lot. In fact, I, I met Pat in Pittsburgh. Yeah, we did our book over the phone. For those of you who are coming to the podcast late, mm. we never met each other. We, we did, did the, the entire book over the phone. Over the we phone. had a good schedule down. Wow! And the first time you came to uh, the Pittsburgh, you know, when we met was uh, well after we finished the book. Yeah. In fact, we uh, had the first copy of the book 
at a fair in Pittsburgh on the streets, and we were promoting the Godfather vodka. Mm. And Pat, there was Patton and his lovely wife, and we had a great dinner. In fact, we, we did a, a thing in a restaurant that night. It was insane. Was it? Uh, yeah. That outside yeah. dinner we had. Uh, let me, you know, I know you don't like to toot your own horn, but I'll toot it for you. Mm-hmm. We had a dinner that night. It was the, the opening night of this uh, uh, restaurant in an area in, in Pittsburgh proper, right in the city called Station Square, surrounded by these huge skyscrapers. This restaurant is a uh, uh, ground floor restaurant, very large restaurant with a big outside dining area. And it was in August which is usually uh, hot and humid, but that night it was crisp and clear and breezy, and it had to be over 100 people out, uh, dining outside. One of the best uh, nights of my life. That's the first night Johnny and I met, but he got up and entertained everybody. Uh, he sang, he uh, worked the room. What, what, what a great night it was. Mm-hmm. It was a really, really uh, wonderful night. That's awesome. So, but now this is, now where where do we find the gangsters? Yeah, I didn't so find are, anybody. Well, did you find any gangsters that night? Yeah. Pittsburgh has disorganized crime. Uh, like, no, oh, like so many other areas. Uh, there used to be, uh, which was based out of Harrisburg, and I think the guy's name was Buffalino, but don't quote me on that. Oh Every, yeah, are you that, kidding? Yeah, that, that's the guy. Yeah, he died in the eighties, and when he died, the organization died. You could do anything you want here. If you want to put joker poker machines or slot machines in bars, you go into the business for yourself. Try doing that in New York. Mm. Wow. Yeah. You know, so there is no organized crime in Pittsburgh anymore. There's a couple of old timers that are uh, hanging around uh, drinking bocce, uh, playing bocce and drinking Anazette. But uh, that's it. There's no organized crime here at all. Got it. Yeah. All right. So the next one is from Courtney. Um, probably asked this for both Gianni and Pat. First, she says she loves the podcast and she can't wait to read the book. And then she asks, any advice for someone looking to write a crime fiction novel? There you go, Pat. It's all you, Pat. Yep, that's me. Uh, it helps uh, two things. If you know the genre, and if you've been reading crime fiction all your life, I never took a writing class in my life, but I read voraciously. I always have. Uh, and two, if you have some kind of experience, personal experience. Now, he's not I, telling you to go commit a crime. Let, no, it sounded like that to me. It sounded like that to me, Pat. That's I don't where know. It was going. Okay, gee, I got to clarify that. Otherwise, I'm going to visit you. We don't want to uh, get sued. The parents that comes, you told my daughter to go kill somebody. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, like where I grew up, where Gianni grew up, he was surrounded by organized crime, and it, it gets into your blood, uh, you know. And uh, it's a way of life, actually. Yeah, it is, and that's that's how you learn how to write it. You know, you have to get to write any book. Uh, there's got to be dialogue. So you have to know people's voices. Mm. You have to get into their heads. And if you're going to do this by, you know, if you decide one day you want to uh, write about uh, true crime uh, and specialize in organized crime, without knowing the life, without knowing the street, personally, it's going to come yeah. across as false. Correct, Johnny? We, yeah, we went you, this. You, yeah, I mean, the problem is like, it's like, it's. I always say, if you want to, Write about Italian food. Make sure you smell the garlic first. <laughs> That's good. I quote you on that, but you had a you had a hard time finding a writer to uh, to work with you to do your book. Oh my God! I can name them. They hate me when I do that. But <laughs> no, we twenty five years of trying to find somebody to write this book. Right. Well, yeah, and Pat, and all you did was talk to him over the phone, and you got his voice perfectly. 
like no, right I, in his head. Right, Why? Because exactly. I know the... He knows the language. And, yeah. We're talking about major writers, mm-hmm. big screenwriters who made movies from their books. And one Pulitzer Prize winner in there. Yeah. Oh, my. And, and just, they didn't, they didn't get my who I am. They were writing who they thought I was or mm-hmm. who I should be in the image they wanted to project. Right. But I, thank God, Pat, I mean... Thank not, goodness. Here we are, hindsight. We got a hell of a book. And that's because of you. Thank you. That's well, amazing. I knew obviously there wouldn't be a book, but uh, but and we. we, uh, and we who was this question future. from? This lady? this one was from Courtney. Courtney, keep your job. Don't get into life of crime. <laughs> write write a book about beauty or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, we're gonna hear about that too. Oh yeah yeah. All right. So next one is from Rita for Gianni. Rita asks. Besides the entertainment business, what profession would you be interested in? I can't speak for some reason. I am not interested in any profession. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> loving my life. I'm waffling through, and fortunately, I've been lucky enough to um, achieve so many facets of the stone and still doing it. Mm. All right. So Nico asks for Gianni, who is the nicest on the set of The Godfather? Well, we know who wasn't the nicest. The nicest? You know, I'd have to say, that's a good question. Um, Fredo, John, John Casales. No, John Casales. Yeah, Casales. This guy. I, 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 again, now maybe I know why, because he was terminally ill already. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And I thought he was just playing the character. But even off screen, when he talked to you, he'd hold your hand. Oh. And he knew I was a newcomer, and I would have to say him first before anybody. Mm. You know. All right. So then, Nishan. I think I'm. I hope I pro- I'm pronouncing this correctly. Nishan asked for Gianni. What was it like working with the late Kirk Kirkorian? Am I? I love Kirk. How would she know Kirk Kirkorian? I love Kirk. I don't know. Kirk Kirkorian is a, a. I mean, an Armenian man, self-made. And um, he was a farmer, and Kirk Kikorian wound up owning TWA. Mm. Kirk Kikorian bought the, built the International Hotel and in Vegas and had a 1,500-room theater that nobody ever had with a balcony for a showroom. Had the foresight to have Streisand open the first two weeks, two oh, wow. shows a night, followed by Elvis Presley, and the most generous man in the world. And he died, drove a Ford car mm-hmm. until his death, which was not just till recently, in his 90s. Kirk Accord, how do you know I knew Kurt? I love Kurt. <laughs> I know, I had to look him up. I was like, I have no idea who that is. I, th- I think we mentioned him in the book, Johnny. Oh, maybe that's Oh, did you? Like, yeah, I think we did. I yeah. think, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, know why? What, when, they, when we opened the Hilton. There you go. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we mentioned. I think that's the only way she would know. Uh, that's a read. That's a reader who was paying attention. Yeah, it's a reader. Yeah, exactly. No, this one was Nishan. Oh, Nishan. Okay. Um. All right. So I guess we'll open it up. Lou, do you have any questions for Gianni or Pat or anything left over? Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. <laughs> Don't mean to put you on the spot, no, but that's you know, fine. if you had anything oh, in mind. Anyway. <laughs> Pat, how many years did you do in 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 your uh, in your career in law enforcement? 20 years in the NYPD, and after that, I've been a private investigator for uh, since then, since '88. So 31 years as a PI. Did you tackle organized crime? 
I worked organized crime. Yeah, he was OCD. Yeah, I, I, but uh, I, I worked, I worked undercover in only one capacity. I was with the Chinese, and uh, Johnny, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm not Chinese. Did you know that? No, I knew that. Yeah. Really? Okay. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So you must, I, I, you must I, have I, heard I having a rubber band around your head all the time. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I try to, I try to act the part. Anyway, I, 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 I work <laughs> with the Italians, and that's how I, I knew of Gianni. Because uh, he was a uh, he was a character that everyone knew. Mm-hmm. Oh but, yeah! But you never got him. No. No. Well, no but no, hey, the night is still young. That's right. He's still waiting for to do something wrong. Yeah, right. He's still investigating. <laughs> yeah, we're still looking into it. John, are you still very close with the cast from The Godfather, or? No. Basically, uh, Pacino, I love, and you know these guys are not warm and fuzzy friends. I got real close with De Niro recently. The past four or five years, and um, but it that, that's not the community that you know unless they went to acting school together and you know. But he, even those people really like Martin and Lewis hated each other. So I mean, it's 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 a funny business. How about Talia Shire? Do you still connect with her at all? No, and, and Talia Shire is a, a a very introverted person. Mm. And you know it's it's funny because you know hear nothing about her anymore after Rocky no, and all true, that. Yeah. It's like, but her, her husband David was an amazing man, composer. Her sons are very acclaimed in the business, and she just lives her life. You know, it's not a. She doesn't act anymore. I don't. I'm I'm sure she would if you ask her. <laughs> the movie looks like you guys had a lot of fun. It looks like every other scene is drinking, a party, eating, hanging out. Well, I had, I had more fun than most people because I really didn't care. And then you had the thespians that, you know. Were really had, into it. Oh, my God. They, it was crazy. I mean, imagine being 26 years of age. This is your first movie. The book was in its sixth print. Once people, I mean, thousands of people would show up wherever we were. It was great for my ego. <laughs> like it's still good. That's where it's now. Whoever thought we'd be talking about the Godfather fifty years from now? And it's still fifty completely years. relevant. You know, and it's on. It's uh, practically every weekend. It's on A and E. All three of them. I know. Yep. Thank and God. Obviously, they wouldn't be having them on every weekend if they weren't drawing an audience. No, that don't. is true. Now, and that contract has just been renewed. So that's uh, what we're doing in the next twenty-four months with the Godfather's going worldwide. Unfortunately, uh, the company I'm with, MJ Licensing, we own a lot of the properties of The Godfather. And we're invited now for 2021, the 50th anniversary, even to Saudi Arabia with this. So it's not going anywhere, unfortunately. It's huge. That's crazy. All right, so should we wrap it up? Is that it? Unless Lou hasn't had a question. I'll finish with one more. All okay. right. To, to, to the average fan of the movie, what would what would be the one inside thing or story you can give to us that we haven't heard already from a book or or a movie or a sitcom? Mm. What's the one thing? What's that one secret that everyone is taking to their grave about to the about the movie? Oh, can you reveal that? Um, or even our podcast, we talked about everything. Oh yeah, yeah no, we no. talked about everything. You know, I think the one secret that I my experience, obviously, we had so many people in the cast, is how giving Marlon Brenda was. I mean, he was an introvert, and they, the studios protected him in every movie. 
because they took him that way. But if he liked you, and that's what, that's what I knew about Marlon Brando, and he took me under his wing, like so many people have. And I mean, I'm blessed because the mentors in my life are icons. Mm-hmm. And so, good, good last question. That and it kind great. of ties everything in how giving, yeah. not necessarily receiving and taking. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent, excellent last question. Right. Yeah, right. Tie it all together. Well, Lou, thank you so much for coming by. It was by. an absolute pleasure. And if we could help in all your endeavors, let's see how we can help. And um, thank you for being here. Pat, Megan. Yes, sir. Time to have some more martinis now. <laughs> Here Let's we go. Let's get serious. Talking talk answer with everybody. And to our audience, please keep subscribing, sharing. We love you. We don't. We, we don't want to be here alone one night talking, and there's nobody home. That would be sad. Out there. All right. That'll never happen. God bless. <laughs> All okay. right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Good night, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.